Take your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 26. I can't thank enough the people who substituted for me while I was gone. Uh, Chris, I had him preach Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, because I wanted him to feel the weight of it. I would have had, I could have had Steve preach a service. I could have had some of you preach for me. But I didn't want that. I wanted Chris to bear the whole load. And I want him to bear that again in the future. And he's, well, I'm going on vacation. I want him to preach Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, teach chapel. And I want him to juggle it a little bit, feel the weight of it. Because I believe someday God's going to raise Chris up as a senior pastor. And I believe God's already prepping him in that direction, uh, whether he likes it or not. (laughs) The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Hey! Hey, man! Oh, I hate death. Oh, I hate it. My grandfather died. The first death that ever came across in my life was my dog died. I cried like a baby. His name was Blackie. He was a totally black, little medium-sized dog named Blackie. We had real creative names for our pets. I have a pet pig. I had a pet pig, a large one I raised from a baby. I got about 200 pounds. Got big old tushes. I used to put my hand in his mouth. And I called him Pigsley. Very creative name, Colin. That way when you eat him, it doesn't bother you. But anyway, I didn't, I didn't eat my dog. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. But if I was hungry enough, I would. Hey, don't you get critical of the Chinese who eat their cats and eat their dogs and anything that wanders by. If you get hungry enough, you'll eat anything that moves. And so I remember when Blackie got hit by a car. I was about seven, maybe six. And, I, and he got killed. And I, I, it was like a, it stunned me. I hated it. I hated it. For days, I hated it. And my grandfather died at the ripe old age of 66 years old. I thought he lived a full life. I mean, at six, 66 is a long way away. I figured, man, that guy's old, man. And he, he did what social security system hopes all of you do. That's right. That's right. Is die one year after taking social security. That was the way the system was set up. You people are breaking it. You're busting it. Plus, I'm stealing from it and borrowing from it. And I got all that. I just want him to give me my money back. That's all. How about you? Just give me the money I put in it back. So my grandpa, 66 years old, died of cancer, runs in our family. And he, um, I went to the funeral, and I remember, I'm thinking I'm, I know how old I was because I know when he died. I was nine years old. I remember I'd never seen a dead human being. And so in a, when I, you need to watch your kids at funerals. Because I snuck up to the casket, and I, I was up there, you know, touching his hand and face, and, and it, was, it was like touching this, uh, this wood right here, hard, cold, but like I felt this morning. <laughs> and his chest wasn't moving, and that, I picked up his chest not moving. He's dead. I knew he wasn't there. 
And I was a nine-year-old child looking at him. I said, my grandpa's not here. This is his body, but I can tell he's gone. There's, I believe we have a sixth sense that can sense life. And you can tell when somebody dies, you tell that there's just something missing there. You know there's life after death. In some degree, you know it. And so death is our enemy. It is the ultimate enemy of mankind. You see it on every hand playing out. Where did death come from? Death started with Adam. Romans, I'm going to have a lot of scripture here. Forgive me, but I believe the Bible is the word of God. And I don't believe I got something better to say than the book. So when I say something, I'm going to give you the verse because the verse is what counts. So let me talk to you about where, when it started. According to Romans 5.12, Wherefore, as by one man, Adam, sin entered the world, and death by sin. So death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. Now, you women didn't get out of this. It means man, it means human beings in totality, right? Because there's no woman has not come except through a man. And no man has come but through a woman. We share 23 and 23 chromosomes. Before all that, the Bible knew it. And death came by this Adam... And it, passed, it passes on through the male, by the way. I hate to say that, but it passes on sin. And its nature passes on through the male. There's something that God has tagged the males with. Because Adam was the first and he was the head of creation. He was representative of everything. And he sinned, even though he understood what he did. And a woman, she believed the devil when he said she'd have all that stuff. But he didn't. The Bible says she was in the transgression in Timothy, but, he, but yet he, because he was a responsible one, he bore the load of it. And that's the magnificent of the virgin birth, which I went into at prayer meeting, I think, a while back. Virgin birth. The virgin birth skipped Adam and consequently skipped the evil nature. And I'm going to tell you straight up and down, Jesus was impeccable. Meaning he could not sin. He did not have any sin. He was a sinless son of God. He was all God and all man. All right, that made him unique. In fact, that made him, uh, John 3.16, only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Never has there been a being like Jesus. Never will there be a being like Jesus, which combined God and man together. He was the son of man, representative of all mankind. At the same time, he's the son of God, representative of God. He represents man to God and God to man. He's, there's one mediator between God and man. The man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. We testified in due time. So we see the sin. How did this death that started all the way back to Adam pass on from person to person? Well, I told you that in some way and got to me in 1951. First, we did not and I did not sin the same sin that Adam did. In Romans 5.14 it says, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. 
You don't have to pick the fruit off of the tree of knowledge to be a sinner. All you got to be is a son of Adam. And as a son of Adam, I inherited that sin curse. I inherited a sin penalty. And I inherited a sin nature. And if I continue following Adam, I'm going to go where his children will go. In a place called hell or lake of fire. But I don't want to follow Adam. I want to follow Jesus. The last Adam, the second Adam. Secondly, our very bodies, man, because of this sin, have become terminally ill. Uh, it says in Romans chapter 7, I believe it is uh, the last verse, maybe last verse, 20, verse 24. It says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? This body I have is encompassed with death. Consequently, all of Adam's children die just like I'm going to die. 1 Corinthians 15, 22, for as in Adam, all die. Even so, and I love the comparison, even so, in Christ shall all be made alive. So who do you want to follow? Adam and his people or Christ and his people? I believe most of you here this morning have followed Christ and, and been adopted into the family of God, as it were, through faith in Jesus Christ. As Jesus said in John chapter 3, you were born into the family of God through faith. Just like, you, so you, you, your, your father Adam's no longer really your father. You have a new father, and that's Christ. And you're going to go where Christ goes. And he's on the right hand of the father making intercession for them right now, making intercession for us. He's a judge of all the earth, the king of kings, Lord, lords, and so many other things. And so... This process of death is explained in James chapter 1, verse 15, where it says, Then when lust hath conceived, what's lust? Lust is a passion for something. It's a desire for something. Let me say this to you men. You lusty men. When a girl walks by dressed scantily, or as they say, scantily clad, and She's built um, in a way that would be attractive to men. And you look at her and begin to lust on her. And what is that? Passionately desire something she's got. She's not really causing, she's part of contributing to your problem, but you're the problem. The Bible says in James, <laughs> that sin is conceived in us. Let no, don't let anybody accuse God of sin, because he cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he's led away of his own lust and enticed. I wish I could point the finger and make a big deal of the fact that she was wearing scantily She's scantily clad and, and, and blah, 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 blah. But the truth is, that wouldn't even bother me if I didn't have lust. But because of that lust, the Bible says there in verse 15, when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. 
And sin, when it's finished, bringeth forth death. The process of the thing is what you're seeing there. So lust is hatched in the incubator of a corrupted mind to be birthed in sin and then eventually end in death. That's the process. Will death never cease? Will death reign? Never stop? Well, King Death has reigned over this world all these years up to this moment. But King Death, in principle, gave way to King Jesus when he resurrected from the dead. He conquered death. The Bible says his purpose in 1 John was to destroy the works of the devil. Everybody said, I need to preach in a black church just one time. Just one time. It's one of my, I don't have anything on my bucket list, Lord, but that, that's it. I just want a group of people that when I say something, say, preach that, brother. I love it, man. That sounds good. Keep going. I love black people. And no offense to you, I'm not insulting you. Much. But amen, it's like sick him to Amen. Preachers like hey, that's like sick him to a dog, man. Woo. Woo. We got a veterinarian down there, he knows. <laughs> but King Death gave way to King Jesus. Death cannot keep his prey, Jesus, my Savior. He tore the bars away, Jesus, my Lord. I think it is saying that. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. You're gonna love this. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, one, much more they which receive abundant grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one. Let me explain that. You did not work to receive the sin nature and penalty that your first father gave you. It was bequeathed upon you. You understand the word bequeathed? It was given to you. Hey, I was born 1951, a, a beautiful, bouncing baby boy. And, and, you know, it didn't take very long to figure out that I had to send nature. It didn't take very long. Uh, I didn't ask for it. I didn't earn it. It was bequeathed upon me. Think about it. Can I say it this way? It was a free gift. So salvation, which comes by Christ, the last Adam or second Adam, Adam represented everybody to death, doesn't he? Whether they like it or don't like it, you are the child of Adam. Whether you like it or don't like it. So consequently, you have his nature, you have his penalty, you have his inheritance, which is death. But I don't want to, I don't want that. I, I, want to, I want to be a child of Jesus who died on the old rugged cross and paid up for all the penalty for all of my sins. Wipe the slate clean if I would exercise repentance and faith in his name. And just like there was, there was no way that I could earn 
What Adam had, I can't earn what Jesus has either. You get it? You get how crazy it is to say people say they worked their way to heaven? You didn't work your way to be a sinner. You didn't have to sin one time to be a sinner. You were born a sinner. And you get saved. In other words, if I may put it this way, and I'm just trying to be careful I word it, but you're a sinner by grace, and you get saved by grace. I know that's a strange use of that phrase. Don't go out here and quote me. But I'm hoping to get through with it. So you do not work to get the first. You cannot work to get the second. It is by grace. It is a free gift of Jesus Christ when you exercise faith in him who paid for your sin. Death has been king oh so many years. Death has left his scar upon a celestial and a terrestrial. We have rovers on Mars, is it? We have a rover on Mars. We have something, we have something moving around out there. Or it's in the Sahara Desert and it looks like Mars, but I'm not a conspiracy guy. <laughs> It'd be cheaper to do that for sure. Uh, but we got something up there, and you know, what are them crazy scientists looking for? A little drop of water. They want to prove, oh, they want to they find a drop of water on Mars, and then they want to come back to us and say, see, there's life elsewhere. That doesn't prove anything. I wasn't here before the fall of Satan. I don't know what those planets look like. I don't know what was on all those planets, but I know when Satan fell, there was a there, sin didn't just affect the earth. It affected the heavens. It affected everything. Look at them, how, how horrid they look, those planets, and how beat up they look, and like it looks like there's been a nuclear war on them things. Because there was. Not nuclear. But when God blew this thing up, he blew it up. How do I know that? Because when he comes back, and the Bible says in, in Revelation chapter 21, verse 6, I make all things new again. Oh! Black church, where are you at? Amen. Oh, I make all things new again. That's right. Glory to God. He says, I'm going to make a new heaven and a new earth. Why? Because the old one's bad, affected by sin. Mars has been affected by sin. Venus has been affected by sin. The whole universe, as far as Hubble looks at, has been affected by sin. God's going to, just as just the Bible says he spoke it into existence, he's going to speak it out of existence and then make him a new heaven and a new earth like unto his glorious first heaven and first earth and we're going to be part of that kingdom because he's going to give us a new body like unto his body to be able to exercise ourselves in this new heaven and new earth. Woo! And that will not even come to mind or be remembered. Wow. But God likes to remind us about death while we're here. I'm sorry. He likes to remind us about death while we're here. How do I know that, Brother Bill? We smell like death. 
I know that perfume I smell is not you. (laughs) Girls, I know that perfume you wear is not you. That's not how you smell. Three, four days out of shower, working out in the Florida sun, cutting palmettos. You don't smell like no perfume. If you don't brush your teeth for about a week, and on and on it goes. Why do you think it's that way? Because God wants you to remember who you are. And who and what you've been saved from. Oh, we get, we get all bathed up and, and coloned up and make up up and dressed up. And we put all these outer garments on and we think we're something. And I'm not, I'm not against bathing. I'm not against perfume. I'm not against cologne. I'm not against brushing your teeth. I'm not against, hey, look, if the, if the barn looks better painted, paint it. I painted my house. Don't condemn me on that. But death has been, no matter what you do to try to cover up the fact that you're in, this is what Paul said, this body of death that we've been in. Why has God let us remember that? So don't you get tired of bathing? Don't you get tired of brushing your teeth? Don't you get tired of maintaining this thing? The older you get, the more maintenance it requires. And the old people said amen. Amen. I mean, if I got to do one more thing in the morning before I go outside, I'm just going to squeal. You want me to go through my list? I remember my dad complaining about it, Doc. He said, man, I got to put drop in my eyes for glaucoma. I got to do this. I got, I got uh, gender vitis. I got to do this. I got this. I got to gargle this special stuff for my teeth. And, you know, he just went on. I got this itch here, so I got to put this as this uh, anti-inflammatory cream on this cell over here where my, where my latex in my underwear messes my skin up. And he went on and on with this list, and I'm in my 30s going, what is that all about? What, what are you talking about? I know, Dad. I got it. I got it. I've got it. God reminds us of the pervasiveness of death by all those common things. And all those things cry out, death! 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 I go, I hate death. Death is the king of this world. He rules. Isn't it interesting that Jesus conquered death by using the crucible of death, the cross? You realize the cross is not a good sign. The cross is the more, one of the worst instruments of death ever invented. The crucible is a crucible of death. The cross was invented and perfected, not invented, perfected by the Romans. And it was, it's one of the slowest 
almost physically horrid ways to die if done right. And they don't do no quick death like Jesus got. That was quick death. Six hours was real quick for a cross. Real quick. Sometimes two, three days people would last hanging on that cross. So yet Jesus uses symbol of death. You can take the cross anywhere in the world. They know what you're talking about. Show that cross and they'll say Christian, Christ, Bible. They'll, they'll get it. I, in Revelation, the Bible says, in, appear in the heavens the sign of the Son of Man, the sign of the Son of God in heaven. What, is, what do you think that's going to be? What universally could appear in the heavens and everybody in the world would know that's talking about Jesus, the cross. I believe I'm convinced of it. It's going to be the cross. It's been even to the place where Paul said, I'm just going to glory in the cross. Glory in the crucible, the representation of horror and suffering? Yes, because on that cross, he crushed the power of canceled sin. He crushed the head of the serpent once and for all. Now, the serpent's still alive and well, but his power has been taken away from him. In principle, it's over. It's over. It's a done deal. It's over. It's over. The resurrection of Jesus Christ sealed the doom of death, capped the coffin, and gave it an ending date. He overcame the dominion of death. The Bible says in Romans 6, 9, death hath no more dominion over him. Woohoo! 2 Corinthians 1, 10. It says, who delivered us from so great a death. In Romans 3.38, it says, I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things to come, nor things present, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He he, the Bible says death is swallowed up in victory, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 54. 2 Timothy 1.10 says, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and brought, hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. He destroyed him who had the power of death. And that's Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, for your own sake. That through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. He holds the keys of death and hell. Revelation 1.18, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of death and hell, or hell and death. Glory to God. So I finish with this. Oh, death, where's your stand? Oh, grave, where's your victory? The sting of death is sin, the strength of sin is the law, but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory in our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know Christ is your Savior today? Don't you tell me I'm a Presbyterian, I'm a Lutheran, I'm a Baptist, I'm an Episcopal, or any other. Don't you bring up a denomination when you're asked whether you're saved or not. Please don't do that. Amen. I'm Catholic. Don't, don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. But you know what that does? That gives glory to somebody besides Jesus Christ. And God will not share his glory with another. Isaiah 44. 
If you're saved, it's because Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. Jesus Christ is your Savior. You've been saved by Jesus Christ. You're placing your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We go door to door. I want to hear somebody say, oh, I'm trusting on Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And I like to hear him talk about, I believe he was resurrected from the dead because that's part of it. Amen. You believe Jesus was resurrected this morning? I'm betting my life on it. I'm leaning on it. He's resurrected. I don't know about you if you've ever had surgery. This is my fourth surgery of my life. And they take you in a pre-op room and they strip you. It's inhuman. I'm a modest individual. My legs look like a cadaver. I ain't never going to get skin cancer on my legs because they ain't never seen the sun. I hate shorts. I think the devil invented shorts. And Prada. But anyway, I, I just, now I'm not, if you wear shorts, I'll just try not to look. But they take your clothes off. I say, I'm not taking my underwear off. I'm leaving. If you want me to take my underwear off, I'm out of here right now. She said, no, you can leave them on. But when you're passed out, who knows what they do to you? They made you play checkers on your back. You wouldn't know. They give you this drug that is called amnesia drug. I call amnesia drug. I was sitting in pre-op waiting. I was talking to the anesthesiologist, sitting in pre-op, and then I woke up. I woke up, and I said, what happened? I had a big old thing on the side of my face. I knew I evidently had been done. It was done, and the woman says, well, you're already done. I said, done? What questions did they ask me? That's awful. But, I mean, I think you're not wise if you go into surgery and don't think a little bit about death because anesthesia is the most dangerous thing you ever had happen to you. And I thought, well, you know, I may not wake up in the pre-op. I may wake up in pre-entry into glory. And uh, I said, Lord Jesus, I, it makes me nervous. Because I don't know what's going to happen physically, but I'm trusting you and I rely on you and I'm giving everything I have to you and just help me. Aren't we helpless? Pretty much helpless. But we're not hopeless. Our hope is upon him. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I hope today you know Jesus, you're trusting in him because he conquered death for you. You don't have to follow Adam and his ilk. You can follow the Lord Jesus Christ and the saints of God. You say, I've I've seen hypocrites. I have too, but I ain't going to hell for them. I've seen hypocrite deacons, hypocrite preachers. I ain't going to hell for them. They're going to hell. But I'm not. Because I don't want to follow them. They can hypocrite all they want. But Jesus never let me down. And Jesus never disappointed you either. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. The Bible personifies, and I'll quit with this. He personifies death. 
And in Revelation chapter 20, verse 14, it says, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Now, let me try to picture this for you. The word cast there means to violently grab a hold of. It's like, it's like a professional wrestler, Hulk Hogan, doing a pile driver on somebody. They didn't, oh, may I touch you? They grab each other and they throw each other. The Bible says the picture of that verse is that the angels of God or Jesus Christ are going to grab a hold of hell and death personified and are going to cast it into the lake of fire with violence thrown into the lake of fire to be forever secluded and forever isolated and never released upon man again. Never to do its wicked damage. Well, won't heaven be good? If nothing else, it's the absence of death. And the absence of hell. Woo. Father, help us. May we be able to visualize it, see it. May the Holy Spirit explain it. May you give us wisdom. May not one person, the sound of my voice, go to hell. Miss Jesus. Oh, don't miss Jesus. Repent of your sin. Trust Him as your Savior. You say, I don't have much faith, preacher. You don't have to have much. Just the faith of a grain of a mustard seed. Put your faith in Christ. And say this like the old boy told Jesus, Lord, I believe. Help thou, mom, believe. Help me. Help me, Jesus. He'll come. He'll help you. Maybe you don't know Christ, your Savior. Maybe you don't know if you died today where you'd go. You should know because you don't know when you're going to die. And if I may say this, the Bible seals your decision. I mean, death seals your decision in the Bible. That's what I meant to say. Seals it. You only make that decision this side of death. Choose Jesus. Don't you let anything stop you. Choose Jesus. We're here to help you. Invitation time. When it's over, don't make any difference. We're here to help you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You come. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.